Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, Jack is a near-death experiencer, but this one's a little bit different. He had a kundalini awakening mixed with a near-death experience that permanently altered his worldview as an atheist. This conversation might shift your perspective as well. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show Jack Morgan. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, I really enjoyed our little conversation there just off the camera. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. You have a a unique experience that you'd like to share with us. Uh, it's kind of like a near-death experience, but it's near-death experience-like, correct? Something along those lines? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So be- before we get into the nitty-gritty of that, what was your life like prior to this experience? Yeah. So I was an atheist and I'd studied medicine and I was working in psychological research. So I had no interest in this kind of thing other than in like fantasy films and sci-fi and stuff like that. Like I wished all that was true, you know, but it's not true. That was my mentality, you know? And, and so you had, and then what, what led you up to this experience? Like, how did you even ramp up to this? If you weren't looking for it, I'm assuming it didn't knock on the door and go, Jack, it's your turn. Like, how did it, how did it actually start yeah. all rolling? I mean, it was, it wasn't too far from that in the, um, one day someone just recommended a spiritual teacher and I looked at their, one of their videos and I was looking at him and I was like, why is this guy glowing? Like it was just like everything just disappeared from the background and he was just shining this light out of him. And, and as I was looking at him, everything went quiet in my mind. And I was intrigued by that. And I, one of his videos was, it said how to stop thinking. Hmm. And I was like, Hmm, is thinking a bad thing? Like, I didn't even know that that's a bad thing um but i'll give that a try like i'll see if i can stop my thoughts so i sat on my bed and i i basically copied what i'd seen in movies from meditation because i'd never done it before and followed it along i started observing my thoughts and to my surprise they slowed down and then they stopped completely they completely stopped um and in their place was just a sense of peace and I was looking around my room and everything was glowing with a similar light that I'd just seen in this teacher. And I was in that state for about 20 or 30 minutes and with like no thoughts going through my mind at all. And when I came out of it, the first thing I started thinking was, 
this is going to change my life. Like, this is what I've been looking for all my life. And I didn't even know, I didn't know this was an option to be in this state of consciousness. You know, I'd, I'd experimented with drugs mostly just to try and cope with trauma that I'd had from childhood. And mm -hmm. um, so I'd had some psychedelic experiences, but this was like so much cleaner and clearer and better and it was free and I can just follow this advice and I can go into this state of consciousness. Who was the um, the spiritual master? Uh, it was Eckhart Tolle. Oh, really? It was Eckhart. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Inter Eckhart has such an interesting energy to him. He is. Yeah. He's yeah. very, his voice, his voice could put you to sleep. Uh, and he has yeah. on many occasions, but it's such a calming energy that it's very even difficult to be excited around him. <laughs> it's like it's energy. Right. <laughs> his energy just drawing brings you slowly, <laughs> quieter, slow. Everything slows down around him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and like he was the first spiritual teacher that I really came across, you know, mm. like I didn't have any background or anything. So I was just like, whatever has just happened to me, obviously Eckhart knows what it is because he's triggered it. So I, I was following his teachings for a while, for a few months. And then he recommended um, Ramana Maharshi in one of his books. And mm -hmm. um, so I was like, okay, well, if Eckhart thinks that this guy's the real deal, I'll, I'll look into him. So I looked into him, found out this little book called Nanya, um, which mm -hmm. is just like the basic teachings of Ramana Maharshi. And he explains that you're, you're meant to look at your thoughts like and question them, like um, to whom do they arise? Like So when a thought comes up, you ask yourself, who is this arising to? And it's to me, but then who am I? And you follow that line of inquiry and, and remain focused on it. Um, and I'm the kind of person who, when I decide that I'm going to do something, I just do it a hundred percent and I completely go all in. So that's what mm -hmm. I did with this teaching. And I didn't realize how powerful of a teaching it is and what it could do. Um, so what it ended up doing was triggering basically a near death experience in me. Um, Before we go into the near death experience, I, from a point of view of somebody who did not, uh, believe in any of this at all having this first spiritual experience a transformative spiritual experience how did you deal with it psychologically how did you like even wrap your head around what happened that first time it was confusing and i was like i can't share this with anyone because they're going to think that i'm crazy right you know like how can i talk to someone about this but i ended up getting drunk one night and sharing it with a friend of mine <laughs> As, as one does, sir. As, as one does. One does. <laughs> and um, I showed him the same video that I had watched. And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. Like, he's going to have this experience and it's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to blow his mind. This is going to be fantastic. And by when the video finished, he was just like, oh, yeah, that was cool. And I was like, what, what do you mean that was cool? Like, why isn't he having this massive experience and that that was really difficult to process like um i couldn't understand why it was happening to me and it wasn't happening to other people i started talking to other people who were following eckhart tolle's teachings and it wasn't happening to them um so yeah it was a a confusing time um 
it got more confusing after this next experience yeah. so let's di- let's dive into this how what, what was this mm. near death like experience so i was sleeping and i'd started having a lot of lucid dreams i think i was so dedicated to the meditation it was making my mind very clear so i would be aware while i was shifting through different states of consciousness like in sleep and in one of these uh dreams there was a teacher sat in front of me and he said to me uh, bring your attention bring your awareness into your left hand and then bring your awareness into your right hand so i did that and he said the awareness he said the hands are different left hand right hand and i'm like yeah i can feel them i can feel the difference and then he says the awareness is the same and i could feel that like i experienced it like oh my god like yeah the awareness that is sensing both of these hands is the same and that realization like triggered something inside my psyche or inside my spirit and it caused the whole dream to collapse in on itself and uh, I felt this rotation like my spine was rotating backwards re- at this really insane angle and then there was this loud snap <laughs> and um, then I was just in darkness just just darkness and in the distance there was a point of light and it started to grow and as it grew I felt this intense fear like I was going to die like absolutely certain you know like i'm gonna die this is the end but with it also this like ecstasy like this ecstatic pleasurable feeling and they just kept rising with each other um and at some point all i could see was the light but i could feel this invisible threshold in front of me we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show and I felt like an invitation to cross like you can cross over if you want to into the light and I was like there's no way I'm gonna do that like if I cross over into this light that's it it's game over like I'm dead and so I felt like there was some kind of benevolent force around me and it just gave me this little nudge kind of like a parent like with a toddler just encouraging them to do the right thing so then i crossed over into the light all the fear completely disappeared like it had never been there all i could experience was just this ecstasy and golden light that's all that all that was there and i was there for i don't know how long like it's really hard to tell time But then I returned to my body and I could feel that same energy moving up and down my spine. Um, I've learned since about Kundalini awakening um, and near-death experiences, which I didn't really know about at the time. Um, But yeah, it was was very, very intense. Um, And after that, my consciousness had changed. So it's it's like the dimmer switch had just been turned up like loads and suddenly i was aware of all these things that i wasn't aware of before like um being able to see energy and feel energy and being able to communicate with deities beings from other dimensions 
um, having out-of-body experiences where I would meet those beings. Um, all this stuff that I was like, you know, this is fantasy and sci-fi. But it's happening. Like This is real. Like, this is actually happening. Like All those things are real. So that was the big kind of shock to my system of like, mm -hmm. hang on, I'm atheist. No, this is true. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is really interesting because this is what this show does in a lot of ways. It rocks foundations of people's beliefs a lot of times, because if you believe in one concept, it negates your entire, what you've been told your entire life. Like you, you believe mm -hmm. there was nothing else. And then all of a sudden something dropped into your world that completely destroyed the foundation of your entire existence, essentially. And all your belief systems were all wrapped into that. And then now you're like, wait a minute, if I, if that's not true, I need to accept this new thing. I, I don't know even how to deal with this because I don't have no reference point to this. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like these conversations do that to a lot of people sometimes because it, it it starts to trigger things in them and starts to trigger questions. Uh, so that's kind of what happened to you as well. Yeah, and and I think you know with these these conversations that we're having and that you're sharing with your show there's an energy that comes along with these kinds of transformations. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it took me years and years to integrate all this stuff. I was out of work for two and a half years um, in bed a lot of the time, just letting the energy settle. Um, so it took so long for it to integrate into my psyche and for me to come back to be a relatively ordinary human being, but with all this stuff still open. But there's there's an energy that comes along with it. Once Once you've been there, your body just resonates with it you know it transmits it and that then spreads to other people through voice through sound through image and it will start to awaken people it will you know it'll vibrate um like the seeds of consciousness that are in them it will water them and then they'll start to flower i've heard that that with these kind of awakenings and these kind of experiences your body needs to be primed to deal with it. The physical body needs to be primed to deal with this kind of energy. And it sounds like you got overloaded a bit, got fried up a bit at the beginning because you had not been meditating for 10 or 15 years. You hadn't been building up this thing slowly like the yogis have done over centuries. Like they, they go into practices. They've been meditating for many years. So the point where this kind of thing starts to happen and awakens in them, their body is primed to be able to handle the wattage. It doesn't sound like you had that. It was a very short priming time. And you, it seems like you got a little fried up uh, and it took you time to even settle back in those two and a half years. Is that a fair statement? That's absolutely accurate. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, it's something that I see a lot of people now that like chasing Kundalini awakening, you know, mm -hmm. and they're chasing different forms of awakening. And and if you've done that preparation, like the, like you're talking about, then that's a fantastic thing to be, that's a fantastic goal to be aiming toward. Um, but if you haven't done that preparation, you know, you can do that, you know, it's a free world, it's your choice if you want to do that. Um, but be aware that there are risks associated with that. Like you can, you know, that's a real shock to the system. And if your awareness just suddenly goes up a lot, it's gonna shine on everything. Like, it's not just going to shine on the happy, fun stuff. Like, it's going to shine on all of that stuff that you wish wasn't in your psyche. And um, that will right just... up. Yeah, exactly. Right up. 
And that's what happened to me. You know, I was in bed just having nightmares, you know, and I'd wake up with sweats just because it was, it was all that trauma that I'd been running away from and using drugs and alcohol to run away from. Uh, it was like, it was time to deal with it. It's like, okay. And I didn't have a choice. You know, I, I wouldn't have chosen to deal with it, to be honest. Like I was dragged kicking and screaming into all of this. I'm very grateful for it now, now that the dust has settled and my consciousness is open and I feel healthier. Um, but it, that was a really challenging time. And um, it's something that I try and give caution to if someone is just trying to rush into the Kundalini awakening. It's it's really interesting that um, you said that you did psychedelics at one point or another, um, and mm. you kind of touched, I, I call it dipping the toe into the universe, if you will, into the pool of the universe. You kind of went in. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between the psychedelic version of this versus the more organic version of this? Uh, yeah. For people to 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 kind of find this, because like you said, people are searching for these awakenings, and a lot of times they're using psychedelics to go in. And Ram mm -hmm. Das was the one who said the same thing. He's like, "I kept going in, but I would leave. I kept going in, but I leave, and I want to stay there, but I can't because psychedelics only give you a short window. And even mm -hmm. then, it's like you said, not clean. Then he met the Maharashi, and he's like, "Oh, this dude's there all the time. I want to study with him." <laughs> <laughs> and mm. that's where he started going to. So can you tell us the difference? I think it is about cleanliness. Like, and I, d I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, because I think there are a lot of people who use psychedelics in a very wise, mature way. Um, mm -hmm. And there's definitely a place for them. I wasn't using them in that wise, mature way. Right? <laughs> I was just like, okay, what can I take to escape? You know, what can I do? Yeah. It's reckless. You know, that was the way that I was doing it. Um. But I, for me, like, I didn't even really have, like, experiences with deities or things like that. Like, I had one one time when I took um, LSD, like, the one time that I've taken it, um, when I was freaking out because I had to get a flight. And I was like, I can't be flying on LSD. Like, this isn't good. It's not a good, it's not a good situation for, for, <laughs> the, for the TSA. <laughs> yeah. And I remember looking at a tree and feeling this connection to the tree and the tree was basically like everything's going to be fine and i was like oh thank god yeah everything's going to be fine the and tree the told you the yeah tree told you. <laughs> the tree told me the tree told me and i totally believed it i could feel it inside me and i was just like yeah everything's fine and it was completely fine from that moment on but now i have those that experience with trees all the time like all the time but you're connected, you're connected to a different level of consciousness. So I've heard this before. Um, I've heard this before from other guests who, when they open themselves up, and this happens through meditation, this happens through Kundalini awakening, this happens in your death experiences. Their awareness opens up so widely that they could start seeing things that others can't, and they start feeling things that others can't, and they're aware of other things that others can't. It is very similar, and I use this reference all the time. I apologize for anyone who's going to get angry, but I don't care. It's like the Matrix and Neo. You start to see the code. You start to be able to understand how things are working at a deeper level than just seeing the Matrix. You see mm. behind the Matrix. Is that fair to say? Yeah, like uh, it's one of the things that's, ha that's happening more and more, to be honest. Like 
We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And it's, it's difficult to, to explain it in brief, but I've gone on this journey of consciousness where initially I was having these big like up and out experiences, like out of body experiences. I was meeting angels and all of this stuff was going on. Um, while on a human level, really struggling, like being in a lot of pain. Interesting. But then my awareness started to come down. Like I felt this descent movement and it started to go into my heart and then down like through my abdomen and just kept going down like through my feet and then into the earth and then into the heart of the earth. And something happened where... I can feel the spirit of the earth like beneath me all the Mm. time. Mm. And I know that all of us are the earth. Mm -hmm. We are like, I see her as this supreme deity that Mm. we're all born from and that we will all die into. And all of our ancestors were born from and all life on earth was born from. And I can sense that in the spirit beneath me. Um, And I can also feel that within the cosmos. Um, I had an experience where I started to connect with dragons. Again, it's like, you know, I come from the scientific background, right? Like I was training to become a doctor and now I'm having these experiences with dragons and things. And I'm like, this can't be real. Mm. But it's just so real. Um, and they are these immense cosmic beings and through my connection with them and the energetic transmissions they've been sharing with me I start to know myself as the cosmos like Mm. I am cosmos and we all are we're the cosmos just being in this human form right now but we are completely a part of it we're like a cell in the body that is the cosmos Mm -hmm. and we can open to that like we can we can communicate with ourself you know which is the cosmos in such a way that the flow of information becomes a lot healthier like because we we already know everything we need to know Mm. so it can just flow through us and download into us and then that going back to the idea of the matrix well then it that realization is like like neo realizing the code it's like oh my god this is all me this is all me like i Mm -hmm. this is who i am and it's just mind-blowing i have these experiences sometimes where i'll just feel the light of the sun on my skin and i'll be like i am the sun like i know that i am the sun and it's one of those things it could sound a little trite like it's an easy thing to say you know um, but actually having those kinds of experiences is so, so profound. Um, and it really moves me. Uh, you know, it, and not to be dismissive of what you're saying, but for a layman outside of this conversation, it could sound like this dude is high all <laughs> the time. Like, what are you smoking? What are you taking? Because right. everything you're just talking about sounds like very like, see dragons now i'm I'm talking to dragons i'm talking to angels it's uh and i i love doing this on the show because i I, i'm with you but people listening but like this guy sounds like he's high 
I know. Which brings me to my next question, and I'm sure you've gotten this before. Um, how did the people around you, your family, your friends, your colleagues, deal with the new Jack? Because I'm assuming the new Jack, very different than the old Jack in public places. How did that? How did they deal with it? Like I went into a period of isolation. Like I, mm. I was in the rave scene. And I was taking drugs and I was doing all this stuff while I was living in London when this happened, and. I just like felt like there was this point where I just had to stop. It's like, I had to choose basically. It's like, do you want to carry on that lifestyle or do you want to go deeper into spirit? And I was like, I want to go deeper into spirit. Um, that I couldn't really keep that going with the friendships that I had. Sure. You know, like yeah. it, I knew that if I went out, I'd be pressured. Like there was already pressure. Like it, when I said that I wasn't going out, there was like a, people were taking offense, you know? And it's like, um, no, I'm like, I've got to reassess who my friends are, you know, because what's happening to me right now is something incredible. And I need friends who will support me in that. Right. Um, so I went into this period of isolation, basically, for about two and a half years. I only saw family and one close friend, one close friend who... I'm so grateful for because he was actually open-minded enough that I shared some of this with him and he was like, okay, cool. <clears throat> like, I was like, that's a true friend. Um, but since then I've, I, you know, I've had to shift gears and I've changed my friendship groups so that I'm, I'm with people who are much more open-minded about this kind of thing. But since it's all calmed down now as well, I'm just an ordinary person alongside everything that's happening. So I can, now I'm at a point where I can be friends with basically anyone, you know? Right. But do you want to be friends with anyone is the question. What is that energy bringing into your life and so on? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a good question. And, and it depends because I went through a phase of being a bit of a spiritual snob, you know? And Oh, like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the humble spiritual person. I'm the most, I'm the most spiritual. You. <laughs> You are a pathetic wingling. I have found eternal understanding of the cosmos. Yes, exactly. I am very well aware of that situation when I was younger. It's just because you find like one little truth in a in like autobiography of a yogi, you read, you're like, I'm so much better than all of these people. Like exactly. that's the ego, the ego pop. It's a very, it's a dangerous trap. It's a very dangerous trap. For sure. Yeah. And you can really destroy your life with that. Like, you know, just throw people out who really sh you shouldn't be throwing out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that took a long time um, to kind of whittle that away and come back to some kind of sense of being a normal person. Uh, as you can imagine, with it being such a sudden shift, like I was like, oh, like I'm, you know, some ama super amazing person and like everything's going to be amazing. I'm going to, you know, lots of delusions. Am I Jesus? <laughs> I think everybody's am thought I, something like that. I, am I Jesus right now? Like, is, <laughs> did I come back? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's how far the ego will go at some point. She's like, am I Buddha? Did I? <laughs> like, am I, am I Buddha and Jesus? What? Like, Wait, no. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen <laughs> teachers like that, like teachers like that, who they're like, you know, Jesus has like a thousand spiritual units of power or whatever. And I've got 10,000, you know? Oh. oh, my God. Oh, geez. Oh, God. Really? Like competing for the most yeah. spiritual power in the universe. If that's <laughs> not the most unspiritual egocentric way of approaching things, because that's what he, that's what Jesus did when he walked the earth. He's like, I am oh, so, yeah. 
I'm so much better than all of you guys. Jesus. Look, look, I can make wine out of nothing. I can exactly. fish. Did you not see the fish trick? Come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, um, that's fascinating. Now with your, and also with your family, like now you're a little bit more public about this. This is different when you have a group of friends, but you're now out of the quote unquote spiritual closet with these stories yeah. publicly, you know, doing interviews. How yeah. has your life changed after that too? Because now, now, you know, aunt and uncle who might've not known about you goes, is Jack, what is Jackie doing? Oh my God. <laughs> We're worried about you. We're worried yeah. about Jackie. Let's talk about this during the holidays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had that definitely uh, from my mom, especially yeah. um, her just being like, like she got my dad to ring me basically when I, soon after I'd had this Kundalini experience and I'd probably sent her some crazy message or something. I don't even know. Um, so my dad calls me and, and bearing in mind, like my mom and my dad broke up when I was about five. So I've not seen my dad much. Mm. And he calls me and he goes, Oh, uh, like, I understand what's going on. Like you, you studied medicine to understand the body. And then you're studying psychology to understand the mind. And now you're into spirituality to understand the soul. And I was like, that's, that's profound. That's yeah. Profound. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't realized that I hadn't put those pieces together and you know, you might hear this. And if you've got a close relationship with your dad, you might resonate with that. You know, you might understand, but for me, that was completely out there. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. believe that he understood me so well. Um, you know, and there's a whole conversation there to be had, I think about the souls that come to incarnate into families and the relationships that we have with each other um, and how my dad could actually know me a lot better than I realize, you know? I mean, I'm a, I'm a father, so I, I could look at my daughters and understand them at a deep, 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 deep level, because even when they're forties and they're, they're going to be in their thirties or forties, I'll go, I remember that one time when you were growing up, or I just, I just understand even, even on a, experience your level but also on a soul level like you could just go oh there's a way there's a way that parents have sometimes <laughs> mm. that are really close to see to show you things that's right in front of your eyes because that's so obvious until i didn't even notice that either until you just said i'm like of course that makes all the sense in the world we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show and it's funny, like, because I feel like a lot gets passed through families. Like, the more that I've gone into the earth and understood ancestry and mm. the way that spirit links to ancestry and, and that whole topic, the more I realize how much I've inherited from him. You know, like, he's a very sensitive person. And mm. in his life, he didn't really have the opportunity to go into it in the ways that I have but I really see the similarities like, and the resonance of that. And there's something really beautiful about that, like seeing it, especially for me, who's come from a broken home where it never really felt like we were a real family and I had real parents to feel that connection and to realize mm. how instrumental they have been in, in propelling me into this new form of life that I'm in now, which I'm really grateful for. It's very healing. It, it helps me to forgive um, 
for for the many pains that they did cause me. Yeah, we all go through those pains, my friend. I think when we're down here, I think we sign up for that. We sign up for pain. We sign up for mm-hmm. suffering. We sign up for conflict and 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 struggle. Um, that's kind of the point of this whole thing, isn't it? That's how you learn. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not nice. <laughs> it don't feel good. <laughs> I mean, you just can't learn as much being on a beach in Hawaii drinking a pina colada. Like that's not a, you can only learn that uh, you like your pina colada chilled at this temperature and not this temperature. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Like, and it's something that I, I work with people on now, like Mm -hmm. how to integrate pain, like, and how to go into the underworld and, um, integrate all of that stuff like as you know like i was saying like the light got turned up and just everything started bubbling up to the surface oh it was a real really overwhelming thing to happen but it did teach me a lot taught me a lot about who i am and how capable i am of resolving these wounds and that it is possible like Mm. even these things that we think are impossible to heal and it's reached a point now where I'm so familiar with going into the underworld and feeling my pain that I can move through it fairly easily. Like I know that there's going to be an end point. I know that there are going to be gifts that are going to be given as a result of it. When you say underworld, because um, that's a triggering word, it could be meaning a bunch of different things. You mean basically mm. the inner world of the darkness within you the stuff that you have to deal with the garbage the this the trauma the stress the all that stuff that you've been carrying with you for your life that you're going into that world and go okay who's next let's bring you out to the light let's bring you up and and that kind of thing but you had it all kind of like thrown at you at once and you had to process it all once hence why you were isolated for two and a half years yeah yeah and like the way that i see it now like I used to see the darkness as this kind of problem that needs to be fixed. Um, and it's like, okay, I'll go in there and I'll do what I need to do or something in my life will trigger it. And it's like, okay, I'll do it. But that relationship has changed over time where I'm seeing the divinity within the darkness. Mm-hmm. So the darkness itself as divine and as enlightened in itself. Um and it's a difficult thing to describe, but it links to what I was saying about this descent of consciousness, like from being up in the heavens, if you like, to going down into the underworld. I see that they're all interconnected. Like they're all flowing between one another. And something that I see happen a lot with people is that they'll obsess about the light and they'll obsess about ascension and and this part of the journey of human existence and secretly they're trying to run from the the underworld and the darkness that's there but we can actually make a home there we can make a home in the underworld and realize that it's a very rich place it's like really fertile soil Mm. and we can plant the seeds of our dreams in that soil so that it can be created as our life you know there's a way that we can link these different parts of ourselves to become creators you know i feel like we were here to become creators well to be fair to what you're saying i mean without the trauma without the struggles 
without all of that fertile ground, you could have not grown into who you are right now and doing the work you are doing right now. I had, I had dramas that I dealt with that drove me to do this kind of work, being a podcaster, trying to help people, having deep conversations in whatever field I'm in. It all started from a trauma that I said, I can't let anybody else go through what I went through. Without that dark soil, this show doesn't exist. So if you look at these struggles as that and these traumas and these things, I mean, I know people who've had, you know, I mean, huge traumas in their life, whether physical or psychological traumas as a child. But now without that, they wouldn't be doing the work of helping other people mm -hmm. as, as they are because of that. The, you kind of have to go through the gauntlet in order to help other people. Who are going through the gauntlet you can't it's very difficult it's it you could do it on an intellectual level but you really need to be there it's like you know an alcoholic who's sober can help another alcoholic become sober it's very yeah. difficult to make an alcoholic who's or, or an, someone who's addictive who's never gone through being addi addicted understand what they're going through because intellectually yeah. it's a very different thing than feeling it would you agree absolutely a hundred percent and I was having a conversation with my housemate this morning about my mom and the difficulties I've had with her and how angry I can still feel towards her, mm. but that something is changing because I can see the gifts of what she's given me. Like the, the, the trauma itself is a gift, mm. you know? And I feel like the more we move into that realization, the less resistance we feel to trauma and pain and suffering. And I think it links to some of the Buddhist teachings where they'll talk about just fully accepting suffering, you know, just fully al allowing it through and seeing it as a gift. Um, or Rumi's famous poem about just having your door open and being a good host and letting everything come and go. There's something there too, but we're so heavily conditioned to believe that suffering is bad and wrong and that we must resist it you know and it's stored in our bodies like there's there's this tension against life but the more we can open and the less we resist the more the flows of life move through us and then that can help us to connect with spirit with our mother earth with the cosmos in ways that really enrich our lives um, because I feel like often these forces are trying to give us everything that we need and we are resisting um, because we don't really understand what's happening. When you talked a little bit earlier about the astral travel that you've done um, and out-of-body experiences you've done and you've met deities and things like that, I, I got to ask, first time you did that, uh, how was that like? <laughs> yeah, I remember first, the first time. <laughs> first time you like you pop out of your body, you're like, hey. Jesus? Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> Don't you have better things to do than hanging out with me? Oh, wait a minute. Am I you? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will tell everyone that I am you. I would say thank you for, uh, now I know it's true. I am you, right? Right? Buddha? No, anyway. <laughs> what was that first experience like, my friend? It felt kind of normal because I was just in it at the time, you know, so I was already in that energy and I was taken by some beings like out of my body. And I just remember looking around me and seeing these hyper vivid colors 
like these mm. greens and purples like don't exist like in regular life and i saw these little bubbles and they had people inside them and i felt this like wordless communication like i just like a being was speaking to me but i just knew what they were saying and they were like oh that's people inside dreams like they're just inside dreams so they moved me out of that place and they took me up into this area that just looked like a village i think my mind basically couldn't comprehend what i was seeing so i saw it in a way that i could understand and to what i was seeing was a village full of all of these different creatures from fantasy novels basically mm -hmm. we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show um and the beings there they took me over to a um a market stall and the person at the market stall gave me this item and they said only a human can carry this it's like okay that's kind of why i'm here then like this is my job and they took me over to a pool of water and they asked me to put the this item whatever it was into the water and i did it and I've thought about that a lot since. And I think what was happening was those higher realms, like they need entry points where they can give their wisdom, you know, that they can download knowledge. And I think what I was doing was putting inspiration into somebody's dream. And I think it needed to be a human being's hands because it was going into a human mind. That's my theory anyway. Interesting. I, I want to ask you because, you know, with these kind of conversations, there are people who are ready to hear it and the people who are, are not, mm -hmm. um, to say the least. What would you say to somebody who's watching this, who, by the way, if you're still here watching this, <laughs> you should probably look inward a little bit, brother or sister, because before you leave the negative quote or comments on this video, you've stayed this long. Why have you stayed this long? What's intriguing you about this conversation? So what would you say to someone who just says, this is bollocks. This guy is just still on a trip. He's still, he got, I, I also take drugs. Like this kind of dismissive language because they either don't understand it, they can't grasp this information or can't even believe it, this could possibly be real because then it would completely destroy their foundation. And that's scary as hell, like it was for you. What would you what would you say to that person who is still listening and believes this is complete bollocks? If I may yeah. use a term from your world, sir. I know, I appreciate <laughs> it. I noticed, I noticed. <laughs> so I would I'd ask them to try and remember a time from their childhood when they felt wonder. So try and remember a time when you felt wonder. Like maybe you were a kid and you were running around and you were playing and you looked up at the stars and you were just in awe. And then you and your friends start talking about what could be up there, you know, and your mind was open and there were all sorts of possibilities. And maybe there's other memories that you have that you haven't thought of in a really long time like when you had an imaginary friend and you really enjoyed their company and playing with them. Because these are gateways to the kind of consciousness 
that can reopen so that you can start experiencing this for yourself. And when you do start to experience this for yourself, you'll realize that, you know, this world can feel like a really lonely place, but actually there's support and love all over the place. We just need to remember and we need to return to that childhood innocence and curiosity so that we can reopen. My friend, that was beautiful. I appreciate that. Hopefully that helps a few people listening. Uh, now I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all my guests. Um, what is your definition of living a fulfilled life? I feel like it's like being who you are, mm -hmm. like truly being who you are, like without um, needing to modify yourself for other people. Like you are fully in the flow of life. You are exactly who you were born to be. And you follow that all the way. I feel like that's the best path to a fulfilling life. If you could jump into a time machine and go back in time and talk to that little boy that used to be you, what advice would you give him? I tell him <laughs> it's all real. Like <laughs> all those things like that you think are amazing in these books and these movies, it's all real. And the people around you, they won't believe you. And they will try and convince you that it's not true, but it is, it's true. Keep your heart open no matter what. Um, how do you define God? That's, that's a big question. So am I tuning into things to give, a, give an answer mm -hmm. to that? How do you define God? Okay. So what I'm doing is I'm just tuning into like the frequencies of, of that. Cause to me, the God is the present moment. So the best way for me to answer that question is to tune into that, that energy so that people mm -hmm. can feel for themselves mm -hmm. what that is. And I feel like it's this completely motionless, timeless part of ourselves that is always here and that everything arises inside of and falls back into. So it's like um, perfect safety um, because it's completely self-sustaining, doesn't need anything. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good answer, sir. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? I mean, it's something simple like to be what it is. That's one answer to that question. The purpose of life is to be what it is. But there's other parts to it. It's like there's a playfulness. It's like um, to be the artist, you know, like to be the artist that paints whatever the artist wants to paint or to be the full expression of every possibility. Um, and I feel like life has no conclusion. It has no end point. So there's just this constant dance, this endless dance. And we could give that a purpose if we want to, but we could also make it purposeless. Like it doesn't have to have a purpose. It can just be because it is. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing, my friend? Yeah. So having gone through all these experiences with goddesses and dragons, I've uh, founded a school of goddess and dragon magic. It's called My Rising Rose. So the website is www.myrisingrose.com. And do you have any parting messages for this, uh, for the audience? Yeah. So the first one is you are not alone. You are not alone. 
you are part of our living cosmos and our living world, which is billions of years old. And you're playing your part in a story that is that old and that will continue on. So your life is fundamentally of immense value because you are seamlessly a part of all of this. So no matter what is happening in your life, try to remember that. Try to remember the bigger context of what's happening and flow with it as best you can. We're going through a huge transformation at the moment in human consciousness. And we all need to be here for each other and support each other as best we can so that we can remember the truth of who we are. Jack, thank you so much for this conversation. I really do hope it helps somebody out there listening. And I appreciate you and the work you're doing to help awaken this planet, my friend. So thank you again. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Jack so much for coming on the show and sharing his journey with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 285. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.